Our gospel lesson is from Matthew, the 14th chapter, verses 22 through 33. Hear now God's words for you. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up in the mountains by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by waves, was far from land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. I want to submit to you today that Christianity as we know it has grown timid, tame, staid, a great many people, especially here in the Western world, think we've outgrown our need for religion in general and Christianity in particular. Why? Well, we like to think of ourselves as being sophisticated, learned people who live in a modern scientific world, and we're not sure that Christianity has much to teach us anymore. And of course, so much of what we have seen marketed as Christianity is so unappealing. Christians are portrayed in the media as being bigoted, backward, closed-minded, suppressing learning, and promoting discrimination of every kind. How often does the media remind us that some who proclaim the name of Jesus are really not the sort of people we want to be associated with. So let's acknowledge that what passes for Christianity in general may not be something we condone or believe. So perhaps it is true to say that for many, this simplistic view of the world, which they say we're supposed to believe turns people off. But I suspect that Christianity has another problem, another issue that's even more serious. It tends to drive people away. We have made following Jesus boring. We've made it easy. We've made it simplistic. And that's not appealing to people who want to make a difference in the world. There are those who worry that Christianity is too demanding. On the contrary, I suspect we've not told people the truth. Following Jesus 
is demanding. It's supposed to be. Now, I'm not talking about laws and rules and, and perceptions. I'm talking about following the Master who often makes radical demands on our personhood, on our time, on our resources. See, Jesus is not just known through His words and His teaching and His actions. He's also known through His commands. He's not only our comforting Lord... He is also our demanding Lord. Jesus demands extraordinary feats from His followers, giving us the power we need to accomplish the work, to obey the commands, and that's really how we know Christ, because He beckons us to do great things in His name. Who's Jesus? What does He look like? If you met him on the street, would you know him? A part of our communion liturgy that is frequently repeated is the acclamation, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. Okay, we believe that. So Christ comes again, are you going to know who he is? How do you recognize him? How do you say, that's Jesus? What does he look like? We have no photographs. There's nothing to tell us what he looked like physically. We've all seen that picture, the head of Christ. Uh, let's see, what was his name? Werner Saldman. You've seen it in the Sunday school rooms. You might have one in your house. I've seen some of them. There are knockoffs where the face of Jesus is just plain scary. It's not exactly loving. But that's another question. We don't know what Jesus looks like. And in today's lesson, even the disciples who know Jesus and knows what He looks like don't necessarily recognize Him. Here comes this figure walking to them over the roaring waves and it's none other than Jesus and they don't have a clue. It's dawn and they're terrified. They think it's a ghost. And Jesus speaks and says, Take heart, it's I. Now, you'd think they'd recognize his voice, right? It's not like they haven't heard him speak before. And then Peter does something that I think is just plain strange. Peter always does some strange things, but here he goes. Peter says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Lord, if it's you, command me to risk my life walking out over this many hundreds of feet deep lake and come out to where you are. Don't you think that's strange? Lord, if it's you, command me to do something dangerous. Jump off the building, put my hand in the fire, whatever. Do you find it strange that, that, that Peter is uncertain of the voice until there is a word of command. And then he recognizes. Come on out, the water's fine. And out he goes. When I was a young teenager, I had a friend who was the coolest guy I ever knew. 
He was two or three years older than I was. He drove a 57 Chevy restored to mint condition. He seemed to date all the prettiest girls. He knew how to dress and dance all the latest dances. And he seemed to know how to talk to people, especially the girls. You get the drift here. (laughs) He wasn't shy about passing on his knowledge to all his younger comrades. The truth is, I was never as cool as Jimmy. He had this savoir-faire, this panache that most people didn't. Now, I don't know how it is with girls, but I suspect all you guys have somebody or had somebody in your life that makes you think about that. My mother approved of Jimmy, so far as I know, mainly because she knew and liked his mother. We're in the same church together, for heaven's sakes. She might not have approved of some of the things Jimmy did. More accurately, some of the things Jimmy got the rest of us to do. Maybe that's just the sort of person a boy of 14 wants to be around. Somebody that the parents might find just a little bit disturbing. Because Jimmy was a risk taker. Jimmy was the guy who, I don't have to describe him physically, he's the guy that if you knew him 10 minutes, you'd know who he was. He's the guy who would come up beside you and nudge you and say, here, take a drink of this, you'll like it. What is it? Doesn't mind. Right. He was also the kind of one who would say, let's see how fast this baby will go. Or, it's only 20 or 30 feet to the water, let's jump. Or my favorite, go down and get the truck. I don't drive. I'm 14. Oh, go get the truck. Push in the clutch, start it, let out the clutch, drive the truck up here. After killing the motor about four times, I finally gave it enough gas and tore the door off on the front of a tractor. That's how you'd know Jimmy. Now, years later, when we were in Banner Elk, Jimmy's youngest son was a student at Lees McRae College. And I never asked him, but I wondered, Jimmy, do you think he's as big a risk taker as you were? Okay, so how do you know Jesus? I'm going to submit to you that you will know Jesus Because he is the one who will extravagantly and recklessly command you to do great things for the kingdom. Leave the safety of the boat. Step out. Show what faith is made of. Now that goes against the grain for Presbyterians. You want me to talk about being safe. We are What's the word in finance? We are risk adverse. We don't like to take risk. But my suspicion is, it's more than suspicion, the text supports. We are called to step out and take risk when commanded. We've cultivated a different kind of a vision of Jesus. You remember the old gospel song, Softly and Tenderly, Jesus is Calling? Okay. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. He's calling you to throw your life in and take a risk. 
Step out and defy death. Make a difference. Quit being risk adverse. We started this story back in January. Jesus came calling a very ordinary group of disciples and they dropped what they were doing and they went with him, leaving family and work and going out on this perilous sea called discipleship. Why would we find it strange for one of those people to now say, Lord, if it's really you, command me and I'll do it. Or if you want to slip back into another old hymn, Jesus calls us or the tumult of life's wild and troubled, restless seas in our joys and in our sorrows, Christian, follow me. Yeah, he calls us not out of the tumult. He calls us in the middle of the tumult. That's where Jesus calls. Get out. Take a risk. Make a difference. read a story recently about a woman who, late in her life, she was past retirement age, decided that she was going to start and run a home for young unwed mothers who had no place to go with their children. They had no family. They had nobody who would step up and take care of them. The hours were long. The work was difficult. There was never enough money. She was comfortably fixed for her life. Her father was one of the most wealthy people around. Now, why would she at this moment in life take on a ministry like that? I guess I bet you know. Right? Church was having a campaign to build a new building. In this case, it's what we call a gym. It's what most churches call a family life center. And two of the members, husband and wife, both school teachers, pledged $10,000 on top of everything else that they were already giving. And when they were asked why, they said, well, we thought it was the sort of thing that our Lord would expect from us. We know how tough it can be with kids growing up these days. So we made this commitment. It's the sort of thing the Lord would expect. Now, who do you think demanded that? You know. And the good news, of course, is that when, P when Peter ventured forth, even though the going was rough, even though he sank and almost perished, Jesus reached out and caught him and helped him at the right moment back into the boat. Peter, though, ventured forth. He was willing to risk everything, even to the point of sinking. When was the last time we were willing to do anything that had that much risk for God? See, I think we are, have spent our time splashing about in the safe shallows. It's not that we're not believers. We are. But we don't take those great opportunities to invest our faith in things that are bigger than we are. A couple of weeks before I left on vacation, Keith Golder came by the office. And he was coming by to confirm that we were going to do a habitat build with Eastman Chemical again this fall. 
And I assured him that we were, and all that got worked out while I was on vacation. Session approved it. But he said several people had commented, how are we going to get the people to do the work this year? You know how hard it was last year. And then Keith smiled and said, I told them we'll get them from the same place we always do. Stepping out on faith. It's called taking a risk. Now, do we know people are going to volunteer? No. We've built 22 of them. I guess we can build a 23rd one. Thank you. I'm sorry Keith's not here, so I can thank him personally. By the way, I did warn him I was going to use this in a sermon, so he, he, won't, he won't be surprised. We want to always know that what we do is guaranteed. It's not. We're called to take the risk for the gospel, even if it fails. I get, as a pastor, so frustrated when the church nitpicks some idea because it might not work. So what? So what? If we try it and it doesn't work, do you know how valuable a learning that was? We won't do that again. Not working out is one of the best things we can do in the midst of the church because it pushes us in other directions. Jesus calls us to risk. He doesn't guarantee success. But He guarantees that He will be there. Peter didn't have a whole lot of success either. He began to sink. But his Lord and Master was there to reach out a hand and bring him on board. After all, it's what God wants to accomplish, not what we want to accomplish. I haven't been to this museum. I read this, but supposedly there's a museum in Charleston. And if you go in, there is several pieces of furniture. And the curator will say, this furniture was made by a man named Thomas Jinks. Thomas Jinks was a slave. And... It was built before the American Revolution. And people say, well, how do you know this was built by Thomas Jink? And he says, well, and he pulls out a drawer and he turns it over and says, look at these dovetail joints. Nobody cut dovetail joints this fine. How do you know it's a Thomas Jinks? Because you can tell by the craftsmanship. How do you know a disciple of Jesus? You can tell by the craftsmanship. You look for signs of the craftsman. Courage in the face of adversity. Care and concern for the needs of others. Strength under fire. Quiet faith in the ultimate triumph of the purposes of God. Those are the signs of the craftsman for God. After graduating from the university, a young man came and gave three years of his life to this outfit called Teach America. They put him, an honor graduate from a great university, in one of the smallest and poorest towns in Mississippi. 
He was paid just barely enough to live on. What made him do it? Well, this is what he said. He said, something, something is hard to say what, just what made me think I ought to do this. I felt I had a responsibility to give back. So much had been given to me. I thought of it as a kind of an obligation to reach out for the needs of others. Now, make a guess. Make a guess who you think called him to that work. You know. You know. So, in the dead of night, or this afternoon when you're taking a little nap in front of the television, that's what I plan to do, if you hear a voice, or if you get this inkling down somewhere deep inside that's asking you to do something that just seems outrageous for the kingdom, Listen, because that's how God calls us. And it might not happen today. Maybe it'll be tonight or next week, maybe next year. But keep listening because you're being called just as every one of the rest of us is being called to take a risk. You're not too old. You're not too young. I think you know who is doing the calling. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.